Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to part two of Private Parts, the podcast where nothing is off limits. There you go. Don't worry about it. You've nailed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you like that? that. So, I've done it 680 yeah. times, finally getting it right. No, it's brand new. Actually, we never used to do it oh, before. Really? <laughs> yeah. I get a bit nervous when I say it. That's a podcast where nothing's off limits. Hey, talk to me because um, lockdown happened. You decided to, you want to set yourself a challenge. And you're at your parents' house, which this, by the way, must have not, it would annoy my parents. You had your parents' stairs, which not that big. And you decided to climb the height of Everest in your parents' house. Yeah. Um, I was bored, basically. We were two <laughs> weeks into lockdown and Captain Tom had the walking around the garden thing locked down. And um, it was actually in support of a charity that, um, that uh, I'm an ambassador for called Wings for Life. They had had their world run cancelled and they, they fund spinal cord injury research. And that was going to have a big impact on their year of fundraising. So I wanted to do my bit to help. Obviously, I'd only put a tiny dent in it. I put the fundraising target at 2,000 pounds and I was going to try and climb the height of Snowden on my parents' staircase. Mm. But then, of course, my mate went and climbed the height of Mont Blanc and I was like, <laughs> right, fuck, fuck you. I'm going to do Everest. What a wanker. And yeah, I, yeah, said, yeah. I said I was going to do Everest without actually working out the logistics of climbing from sea yeah, level I've to the summit of quite, Everest. It's quite big, that one. Yeah, but also like <laughs> normally at base camp, you're already at like 4,000 meters. So you only climbed the last 4,000 meters. Yeah. I did the 8,000 meters, which was... It took four was days. Was that from sea level? Sea level, yeah. <laughs> but, but, well, you, but you kitchen you, floor level, yeah. yeah but explain, but explain. Did your parents get the chance to sleep? They didn't weren't able to go upstairs because you're like still <laughs> yeah, going. Honest, um, no, there's some quite funny photos and stuff of them, um, like my stepmom trying to get past me with washing basket and stuff, and I'm in full mountaineering <laughs> gear, like passed out halfway up the stairs, but what, on oxygen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But we got to explain it because, firstly, um, where, you know, as you said before, you're, you know walking for you isn't the easiest thing in the world because you know first you you severed your spinal cord so you well you can explain it you walk you, with a limp right yeah yeah and and so it was single leg step ups for um the height of everest they had a double handrail so i could pull myself as well as step up with the with the right leg but it ended up being four days 12 hours a day five and a half thousand flights of steps about sixty five thousand step ups um it was mind-numbing <laughs> Like, honestly, when you... When, when Wait, worse than looking staring at the ceiling. Mate, I mean, physically, it was tough. Don't get me wrong, but it was mentally fucking boring. Like, normally in the mountains, you can, like, look at the it scenery and scenery. chat to your mates. I had headphones on. It was really hot as well. So all my, like, um, my wife and everyone was just outside sunbathing and just left me in the house. So I was just listening to music, going up and down the stairs with my parents' bathroom to look at and then the fridge over and over again. Um, but you but, camped, you camped as well. Yeah, I wanted to do it properly, and also you camped think, on the stairs. Well, not on the <laughs> stairs, but at the bottom in a yeah, tent. In a tent, yeah, <laughs> yeah, did. Yeah. Um, did your parents go? He's got. He's lost it. Yeah. I, I was, yeah. And exactly. That had already happened to me after two weeks of lockdown. Imagine if they knew two years was coming. But um, it was. It, it turned out to be it, the other reason I wanted to do it was because I realised that every morning and every evening when the news was on, it was just about death tolls. It was just negativity the whole time, which of course was serious. We had to understand, mm. we had to understand the rules and regulation, what we're supposed to do. We're in full lockdown. We all know what we've got to do, right? 
there's no point filling your head with bad news all the time and negative. You've only got so much bandwidth, right? If you choose to fill it with negativity, yeah. that's what you're going to get. So we just basically did an Insta Live over the morning news and the evening news of me walking up and down the stairs and having a laugh with it and like doing stuff, getting DJs on and playing music. And when people just felt stumbled across it, they were like, what the fuck is going on here? Imagine seeing like, <laughs> James Haskell's DJing and I'm walking up and down, limping up and down the stairs. You're in a tent screaming, avalanche, yeah, yeah. <laughs> get down. Yeah, exactly. Get down. Exactly. But, but people, people were so bored, they were tuning in and we ended up, I mean, we ended up raising- James Yeah, DJing. we ended up raising 50 grand from it. Amazing. And I got five, 10 flights from the end on day Four, and all of a sudden I got this everyone was like, um my dad was like Ed there's a there's a zoom call for you and I was like what and on the other side was Sir Chris Bonington who's like one of Britain's most famous mountaineers mm. in his 80s and he was advising me on how to approach <laughs> the summit of Everest from the Hillary step and he was that like enjoy the the scenery of Nepal from, of Tibet from the top to the north and all this stuff and I was like this is fucking bizarre and this, is, <laughs> this has got way out of hand really bizarre and also really annoying because I can't see anything but yeah, fuck's yeah, my yeah. parents bathroom yeah, yeah. yeah. that's insane yeah was, was there a sense of achievement though when you when you did there must have been <laughs> no right? none he got to <laughs> someone was like that was pointless yeah but they do oh, no, should we go back I, in the garden now like, yeah, like, like that's what happens yeah, um, yeah there was and um, but it was it was more just it was a lot of fun and because and we'd raised so much money that was the sense of achievement I was having then having interviews with like paper and stuff and radio interviews and they're saying now you've climbed the height of Everest do you think now that must mean you can do the real thing I'm like mm, it's a bit different doing it like, like in your parents yeah, house yeah. I'm like I'm pretty stupid but I'm not that stupid I realise there is a bit of a difference between the two but um, but, no, but would was, you do it would you do it now because because now you're doing all, you know you're doing all, all sort, you're, you're a mountaineer that's what you are you're, you're an adventurer um, among other things would you think about doing Everest um so I'm going out to Nepal on uh, the 15th of March to try and become the first person with spinal cord injury to climb to over 7,000 meters, which is, that's a, like, that's fucking high. <laughs> you know, is it that really, is is it really that's high? a thousand off the So that's, the, the Everest is 8,800. 8, so I'm going to climb okay. out called Himlung Himal. Oh, just do the rest. But, Come on. Well, once you've climbed a 7,000, the, the prerequisite to climbing Everest is climbing a 7,000 meter mountain without oxygen. I've done six and a half thousand. So if I do this, then there isn't really any excuse not to. Having said that, I'm not sure about whether I want to, I, I want to climb an 8,000 meter mountain. I don't know if I want it to be Everest. I'm not sure yet. I haven't decided or not. But um, Why is that? Well, it's, there's a number of reasons like at the moment with the, how commercial it's got it's, and yeah. also like the cleanup that's going on at base camp. Obviously it's an unbelievable achievement and probably one that I wouldn't be able to do yet. But if, if I set my sights on it, then maybe. Also it is a risk you know people die on Everest a lot and I wouldn't just be putting myself at risk I'd be mm. putting everyone that's looking after me at risk so I'd need to make sure I'm good enough to do it it's not just I'm going to pay someone and go and have a punt at it like yeah. I've got more respect for the mountains than that I think um I'm really enjoying being in a space where I'm a beginner again I'm not very good at it you know and like I'm learning from I'm getting to do it with amazing people you know some of the best climbers in the world I've had the opportunity to climb with and it's like being a kid in a candy shop. It's like being an academy rugby player again, walking into your first session and you're surrounded by internationals. All your heroes. And you're like, yeah, it's like that. And I'm really enjoying that side of things, just being crap at something again, and <laughs> and but something I'm passionate about and learning. Dude, that's a, how. Uh, okay, so six. You've done six thousand, right? Mm. How, how, with oxygen or without? Without. How tough is it? Yeah, but it's tough. I mean, it's because it, I pushed a car up in Bolivia in La Paz once, and that I don't you know. Pushed how I, a car. Yeah, yeah. My taxi. My taxi 
broke down and we had to push the car up in La Paz, which I think is the highest city in the world. Mm. I was dead after like, I was like, I can't breathe. Yeah, it's it's like you forget to breathe. Mm, it's yeah. weird. So is, is it like that? It's sort of 6,000. Yeah, it's like that. And for me, obviously I take a lot more energy to move around anyway. So it's doubly hard. So I have to almost be that much fitter again. But also with altitude, like it, you could be the fittest person in the world and altitude can take you out. It's, mm. it's the physiological side. Luckily, I haven't experienced altitude sickness yet. I've had the standard headache, headaches and stuff. But our fittest member of our group when we climbed Mirror Peak, he got evacuated off the mountain having, he woke up in the middle of the night and the tent was hallucinating, screaming, like and they had yeah. to take him down. He was the fittest guy there. What? So it just so happens. Just happens, yeah. So um, apparently the only thing that can make you better with altitude is smoking regularly because then your body's used to less oxygen no oxygen yeah fitness doesn't help so training involves 20 marble reds a day yeah for a good three month period your body your body is probably like nah it's not really that big a deal to me it's like you should have seen what happened to me a couple of months ago yeah there's nothing it's just a bit cold i want to talk about mentality because i think that's a huge thing right and i we've spoken of before about um and i spoke this with actually hugo um there's like mentality, especially in sport, right? When we, you know, the fact that all these people, and we said much before leaving sport and having this mentality with no purpose and stuff like that. Your mentality seems to be pretty damn strong. How dark were the days when you were just first in there and you experienced all that? You must have gone to some terrible places. Yeah. Yeah, dark. I mean, I think probably had thoughts I'd never thought I would ever have and would never want to have again. And um, I've experienced that dark side, if you like. And I'm very lucky that I don't suffer in inverted commas from clinical depression or mental health problems, but I've had an insight into what it's like mm. and I've got friends who do. And now I have a real appreciation for it. And I do a lot of, I spend a lot of time in that space helping from, I'm on the trustee, uh, board of trustees for Restart, the charity that looks after all the professional players in, in England. And one of the big issues is mental health problems young amongst young blokes, but sports people in particular, because you're kind of brought up to show no weakness. You're told, even if you're injured, don't show any weakness, you know, and that then transfers in psychologically when you get older, not talking about your issues. And just because you're a big rugby player or whatever, doesn't mean you don't suffer the same as other people, you know, with all of those things, anxiety and, um, but just being able to talk about it is difficult. And I really struggled with that early on. I, I already felt guilty for what I'd done to my friends and my family and the trauma, the sort of stress I'd put them all under. And I didn't want to show that I was struggling. I didn't want to talk about it. Um, so I was putting a brave face on for them. But then eventually I started this blog, like using voice notes and people started getting in contact with me who had been through similar things before. And I was just keeping this up on, uh, on my Instagram. And basically it was just a brain dump in the evening so that I could go to sleep. But all of a sudden I was um, contacted by people who I didn't have an emotional connection with, but was, could speak from experience. And I had this network of people that grew that I could be 100% honest with because I didn't mind upsetting them. I'd be like, I felt like I wanted to kill myself last night. Luckily, I couldn't move enough to actually do it. But, you know, they mm. would be like, don't worry, that's normal to feel like that. Things get better. Wow. And by opening up and being vulnerable, which was something very counterintuitive to me, um, I realized it was helping me massively. And now, uh, you know, the power of it and and I'm, the narrative is slowly changing. You know, you've got more people coming out and, and showing that being honest and open is not a weakness it's actually a strength you know keeping things inside is probably it's very hard to be open and yeah. vulnerable but the the benefits of it was so obvious for me to see that now you know it's something i lean on massively you know I'm, whenever i'm struggling with something i'll open up about it straight away i think there is real truth in sort of a problem shared is a problem half and 
and I really felt that um, and it was a big sort of turning point for me as a as a bloke yeah as, totally you know. this is Paige the co-host of Giggly Squad and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box and if you break it down it really comes out to two dollars a manicure which is absolutely insane it's also so easy to get salon worthy nails at home with olive in june the difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the manny system is a complete game changer the best thing about olive in june too is it's a quick dry dries in about one minute lasts for five days and full coverage in up to one to two coats visit oliveandjune.com slash perfect manny 20 for 20 percent off your first system that's oliveandjune.com slash perfect manny 20 for 20 percent off your first system Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. I, I think it was you, Eddie, told me like the statistics in, in sport, which is crazy for like mental health problems and, and, yeah. and, you know, and I know it's a bit of a more, but, but suicides as well. It's crazy high. Yeah. And and how do you how do you conquer this? I mean, how do you? So you you you're part of this amazing charity, and you're, you're on the board. So when you discuss with people, do you just sort of say, right, be open and honest and vulnerable, and and you get that echo back from individuals. So the the first way is funding a con confidential counselling service because a lot of the players won't want um, their clubs to know because they'll feel like they'll be looked at differently. They won't be selected. Why would the coach want someone who's seems mentally weak even though there is no correlation between someone who's suffering from mental health problems and being mentally weak you know mm. they're not you know, some of the toughest players out there really struggle with their mental health you know so but they, they're scared how it's seen so it's making it confidential funding that service and then getting um encouraging ambassadors and people sort of people role models people like joe marler and and people yes. who come out and be open be open about it to, joe's he, a great guy because he he's like an alpha male right but he still talks about exactly it. exactly and that encourages then younger people who might be struggling from it to come forward but it's a slow burn because it's ingrained in our dna as mm -hmm. blokes to not show any weakness you know actually women are so much better at going and talking about their emotions mm. and that's why there isn't as many suicides and all of those things in those demographics and you spoke about it then, you know, we have at least 50 cases in the premiership a year of, of the counselling service being 50 different players a year using the counselling service because they're really yeah. struggling. And on average, you know, two, two attempted suicides a year. That's and that's crazy. not a massive group of people. Is that it's, premiership? Yeah. Yeah. Or professional, so some of the championship as well. But it's like, it's not a massive pool of people. And it's also a pool of people that most people would look at and go, well, they're living their dream. Yeah. They're fine, you know? but it's not selected like that. Oh, dude, it's, it's so tough. I, I, I want to also, you, you mentioned it before, and maybe this is, uh, if you don't want to talk about it, it's fine, but it just, you talk about the sexual side of things. When, you, when something like that happens, what happens downstairs? Yeah, so, I mean, it, that's one of the things that's probably not talked about enough. So um, it's, it's, uh, it's a big impact from neurological injuries, like erectile dysfunction as a start, but also even makes your sperm slower and, and you less fertile and all of those things get mm. brought into question too. 
So um, I have to use pills basically to for, for it to work. I'm really? lucky then it, that it can work, but not as often and as regularly. And then you lose the spontaneity as well because yeah, you have to take pills. And and actually, it was it was a really tough, real tough transition for my part for Lois, my wife as well. And that was something we've worked on over time and finding the right drugs to help the situation and being open enough to talk to people who've been through it before and mm. you and then being comfortable with it because. It's we don't not, talk about it. We no. Why don't we, yeah, yeah. we talk about yeah, yeah. it? And it's not... It's not Shit, it like, we should just talk about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. But it's not just you going through the change, right? It's your partner too and mm. anyone who's affected by it. And you, sometimes you don't, you take that for granted a little bit. And, um, you know, it, but now it's with time, you get used to it and there's always a way around it and you can ask for advice and, and you can make things work. And, you know, now it's great again, but it's just... It's, it's just dealing with any change. Like it takes time and you've got to be open and you've got to be honest and you've got to be willing to accept certain elements that you might not be able to do anymore. You might ne- not necessarily be swinging from the chandeliers anymore. You've got to use different <laughs> techniques, you know, Dude. but that's fine. You can't, you can't do the, the butter churn. We, we, we found out about this sex position. It apparently burns the most calories. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? But yeah. I can picture it already. <laughs> I had no idea. I did, it must be, it must be, do you get, get really horny? It's like when you're hammered, you get really horny, you're like, oh God, I just... Do you know what the most frustrating thing is? That <laughs> the most frustrating thing is that I can't like make myself come anymore <laughs> so it's like you get really horny and yeah, as a bloke that's your number one go-to isn't it yeah deep de-stress relieve I some anger like no so but uh, but weirdly I do you know what so where you start giving the weird eyes like, yeah yeah so yeah uh, yeah exactly why are you looking at me like that yeah but um but actually it's it's it weird how once that goes where there's an option it stops playing into your mind yeah and actually it's not something that bothers me anymore either no you condition you condition every now and again it does obviously but it's honestly it's not something i miss anymore which is weird because your brain conditions in a different starts to condition itself in a different way yeah it's amazing what your your brain your body can get used to and 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 like you said you condition yourself to things i when i first started getting tinnitus right and i spoke about this before which is a very constant ringing in my ears i was like freaking where is the next train that i can put my head in front of i was like this is just horrendous but then slowly by slowly you become accustomed to it it's nowhere near yeah well yeah tinnitus and your injury is exactly the same <laughs> but it is but it's amazing yeah. what and and i think the biggest thing is we we forget how resilient we are and and the fact that you've gone through what you've gone through you realize that you can probably pretty much get through most things if you put yourself there people don't give themselves enough credit for like how resilient they are human beings in general like unbelievable species and i think most people are like i don't know how you've done that and i was like you you might do it as well i would never have expected i could react in the way i have mm. or make the changes i have or be resilient um in the way i have but it's been subconscious it's been it, it's and, and i think people are scared or just think they're weaker than they than they are and that holds them back in life you know it stops them following their dreams on a more basic level you know taking those steps doing those things that might be outside of their comfort zone because they deep down have this feeling that they're not worthy of doing it or they're not capable of doing it yeah and actually you are and actually the people who are doing the things that you you want to be doing or you look up to and are being successful i'm sure a lot of people look at you guys but often it's not because they're better or more capable it's because they've had the balls or they've been naive enough to just fucking do it it's that belief in yourself yeah it's because it sounds like the first step to your recovery was actually believing or, or at least changing that mentality yeah and that, like the power of the mind is so nuts it's, it's like yeah. wild okay and here we go what do you fear then oh god that's a good question um running out of sausage rolls. yeah <laughs> running out of sausage rolls i fear getting old do you um 
I've had a glimpse into, you know, now I just, I'm my getting old has accelerated massively. All of the old injuries I had from rugby, you know, my neck operation was my seventh operation because like rugby is a stupid sport, but like knees, I mean, I've got loads operation. of arthritis in my knee and like you, I see myself deteriorating and my, my, my mobility, I've had a glimpse into what it's like to be old anyway, the way my mobility is now. And I wake up in the morning, if it's cold, you know, I'm really struggling to get going and it gets exaggerated with a spinal cord injury. And, and that probably worries me a little bit. And it's part of the reason why I have to stay on top of all of my rehab. And I do so much exercise is actually because, because I've probably gone past the point of my natural recovery. When I stop, it actually starts pulling me back the other way. I mm-hmm. start regressing. So one of the reasons I've taken all the mountain challenges is actually to keep me motivated to keep doing the rehab and the prehab. Because without that goal there, without that challenge, it's very hard for me to motivate myself. So probably that would be the main one, but I'm not frightened in inverted commas of much. I'm I'm excited. I'm just excited about everything really. But if you're scared of um, getting old, does that mean you're scared of death? I'm not scared of death at all. Really? No. I probably was before, but I've died three times and it wasn't scary. All right, boom. <laughs> but you, but you just, honestly, <laughs> 50 honestly, cent. Yeah, yeah. But honestly, yeah, 50 cent. <laughs> no, but it's honestly weird. It's weird because it's weird because you, you'd think that, I think one of the realizations I made as well was my mum was like, surely you're going to wrap yourself in cotton wool now. You know, mm. I couldn't stand on the side of a rugby pitch and watch you put your life in danger every, uh, all the time anyway. Now you've actually done this. Finally, you know, you can be safe. It's like, well, it's actually had the opposite effect because- Survived 10 years of rugby without a life-threatening injury, but then it was diving into the pool on a Sunday afternoon. You know, you could wrap yourself in cotton wool your whole life and then get hit by a bus tomorrow. Mm. Like, they life they short, need to put a sign don't... up in that pool. I've got a photo of me in my wheelchair in front of the no diving sign going, Oh, was there actually a sign there? <laughs> yeah, there was. Um, okay, what, um, what, uh, what gives you real purpose? Um, I know this sounds probably cl- like cliche, but helping others. And that wasn't what gave me purpose before. It was something I fell into. And I think it was when I felt some good coming from my situation through the blog I started and now through the charity that I run and, you know, through the book and all of those sorts of things. Mm. When I started feeling that there was some good coming from this terrible situation, mm. that gave me purpose and that gave me drive. And that, that was almost helping me deal with my own recovery. So yes, I've got this charity now and people see me doing all of these things for other people, but actually it all started from a place of trying to deal with it myself because mm. I was finding purpose in, in doing that. And it's just great that there's a, there's a win-win there. So um, I find more purpose in the things that I do now than I ever did you know, before pre-accident. And it's probably things I wouldn't have really discovered. So I would say definitely if you live a life in a way that will benefit other people, I think that's the, that's the quickest, that's the, you know, the shortcut to finding purpose for me. So that's, quite try the the way i try and live my life now and the fact that i can do it through things that i love anyway like climbing mountains and doing things like that then um that's just a double win what is the greatest achievement that you haven't achieved yet your greatest achievement you haven't achieved yet um if the charity that i started millimeters mountains becomes completely sustainable and lives past past me being there you know and it looks after itself and it carries on helping people in perpetuity that's my main aim in life dude that's just great i freaking love that one um what what have you what's your next challenge what are you doing you're going to do everest you're doing the the seven thousand meters yeah that's your next thing have we got anything else that you're ready for um i'm off to beijing on the 28 uh, in doing next, the, the, the paralympics in the paralympics so um i'll be with jj again 
No, JJ's not doing it this time. JJ's not doing it. Uh, he's, just, he's just done the Olympics, but um, I'm out there and I'm presenting the breakfast show this time for like nine days, which is obviously Congrats, a massive that's challenge. Huge. Yeah, really big You're challenge. You're going to shit yourself. Absolutely shit myself, yeah. And it's, it's minus 20 over there at the moment and the studio's outside. I just had an email saying, make sure you bring pencils because the pen ink is all freezing. I'm like, oh great, this is going to be fun. I struggle with the cold anyway. It's going to be nice on your injuries. My, uh, yeah, yeah. Say. my 7,000 meter, 7, meter gear with like ski goggles on. <laughs> In your tent. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't freeze up. No. Oh God, <laughs> freeze up. So you're, so you're doing that and then... And then straight to Nepal, yeah, dude. for the 7,000 metre mountain. And then, you know, there's lots of other stuff this year, but it's um, I've always got a couple of things on the horizon. It's what keeps me going. And I, I, I honestly can't thank you enough for coming to the podcast. I wake up some mornings and worry about spots on my face. Let alone, I can't even imagine what you've been through. And it's true. I don't have them. My face is very glossy, as you said earlier. But, um, so but it's much, true. So much and work done, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> but you realise, speaking to you, you realise what is important in life. And it's, it's family, it's friends, and it's helping others. And having, you know, something that you, you know, all the other shit doesn't really matter. Yeah. And, and it's, not, it's not giving as much of a fuck and, yeah. enjoying, and enjoying yourself mm. or giving a fuck about the right things. We all care about stuff that we really shouldn't care about. All our energy goes into things that we all really worried about what everyone thinks about us, but no one's really thinking about us. No one cares. Like, so just enjoy yourself and be nice and, you know, have fun along the way. Oh, mate, I thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, guys, you can go and check out Ed. Uh, he's uh, hosting the Bayesian Olympics, Paralympics, the breakfast show. Come on, buddy. Uh, we can check you out on Instagram as well. Uh, you've got your book yeah. as well. What's, where can we get your book? So book's called Lucky, Amazon, um, all the usual bookstores. Great title. Yeah. Throw a clickbait right there. It's like. a weird one, isn't it? <laughs> I, they actually approached me and they said, do you know what? You, we've read the first hundred days of your blog. And you've said the word lucky 45 times. It's like, <laughs> what is wrong with you? But then digging into it, it was just all the stuff we've spoken about. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, buddy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. What we like to do at the end is leave our listeners with something inspirational. Um, Gloucester services, sausage rolls. <laughs> Honestly, they will change your life. Thank you. Everybody will see you next week. Bye-bye. You still thinking about Shaggy even after that? After that whole podcast, the whole way through, I was just Wait, in your head. No, just like really lightly. Could you not hear it? No, didn't hear I was it. Just singing it, Ed. Yeah, my angel. That's uh, really creepy. I mean, what a guy! I know, I know. Amazing dude. Amazing. It's, it's just really inspiring to see someone that's like been diagnosed well, not diagnosed whatever the word is they, they've said that there's no chance of him oh yeah 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 like recovering and he, and he you know went against that and just shows the power that is about the the ability of the mind to be able to to change and heal and actually alter dna wow so that's i'm guessing what what he did i love that. through the power of belief did it which is why i've joined the church <laughs> <laughs> You want to come? <laughs> um, all right, everybody, please check out our Instagram at Private Podcast. Leave us a review on Apple and Spotify. Um, and listen, we're going to see you next bonus episode where do not forget we have our lie detector that we're doing with Alex and myself. All questions are going to be asked. Send them in because holy smokes, we're going to ask them. All right, everybody. Love you. See you next week. Bye. Ciao for now. <laughs>